0: Hello, and welcome once again to the Main Point Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Giles. And Tracy Giles. And this is the second installment of our 10-part series on the Hebraic origins of Christianity. And today's topic is the scriptures. That's what we're going to talk about today, the actual scriptures in this particular episode.
1: What would you consider to be the scriptures?
0: Well, I would consider both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible to be the Scriptures.
1: What purpose do you believe the Scriptures serve?
0: Good question. Well, the Scriptures are the foundation in Hebrew, that word is hasod, but it's the foundation of the Christian faith and that they testify of Jesus Christ. Now the purpose of a foundation is to provide something solid upon which all other things rest. The Scripture is a foundational way that God reveals Himself to us in the fact some things about God have to be revealed means that it was previously concealed. Now, the scriptures aren't the only way that God reveals Himself to us. However, he also uses creation, for instance. We see this in Psalms chapter 19, verse one through two.
1: The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge.
0: And we also see this in Romans chapter one, verse 18 through 21.
1: Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened.
0: He also uses His Son, Jesus Christ, as a way of revealing Himself to us. We see this in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and also verse 14.
1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth.
0: And we also see this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 17.
1: He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist.
0: And God also reveals himself to us through a godly life, a person who lives a godly life. We see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16.
1: You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven.
0: And we also see this in the book of First John, chapter four, verse seven through eight.
1: <clears throat> Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love.
0: So, God's written revelation to us, just to recap, is the scriptures. Uh, but God also reveals himself to us in three other distinct ways, through creation, through his Son, Jesus Christ, and also through a godly life. Now, God revealing himself to us is known theologically as, and it's summed up in one term, and it's called Revelation.
1: So where do the scriptures come from?
0: Well, the scriptures come from God. However, he used human instruments to transcribe this special revelation, this special written uh, revelation, I may add, to us. Just as a great artist is inspired to paint a beautiful painting, when it comes to the words of the Bible, the inspiration for it came directly from God. We see this in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16.
1: All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: And we also see this in 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 19 through 21.
1: And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit.
0: So, as we can see, God's special written revelation to us, known as the Scripture, was inspired by Him. And this concept is known theologically as inspiration.
1: If God himself is the source of the scripture, would you say that the scripture can be trusted
0: 100%? Absolutely. God himself is perfect, and therefore his inspired revelation to us in the scriptures is perfect perfect as well. We see this in first John chapter 1 verse 5 through 7.
1: This is the message with which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin.
0: We also see this in Psalms chapter 19, verse 7 through 9.
1: The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether.
0: So God's written revelation to us, embodied in the scriptures, is infallible. This concept regarding this is known theologically as as inerrancy, meaning it is without error. Infallibility is unbreakable, is reliable. You can depend on it, okay? Which is very important to know.
1: What are some common synonyms used when referring to the scriptures?
0: Well, some of the more common synonyms would be like the word or the law or precepts, statutes, things like that.
1: Focusing on the synonym, the law, what comes to your mind when you think in terms of God's law? Do you think of the Old Testament or the New Testament of the Bible?
0: Well, normally, when God's law is mentioned, a person thinks automatically of the Old Testament. However, the Hebrew word that is translated law in our English Bible is actually the word Torah in the Hebrew. And interestingly, interestingly, the Hebrew word Torah, or Torah, depending on how you want to pronounce it, doesn't mean law. It actually means instruction for achieving a goal or desired result. And what is the goal or desired results of the Torah? Well, it's laid, la- laid out clearly in scripture. We see that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40.
1: But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets.
0: Now contained within the Torah are individual commandments. Mitzvah in Hebrew is the word for commandment. This is where the Jewish concept of bar mitzvah, son of the commandment, bar is son, that's where that term comes from.
1: If the goal or intent of the Torah is to achieve a desired goal of loving God and loving one's neighbor, what do you call it when a person misses the goal?
0: Well, the scripture identifies the missing of the goal as sin, and in Hebrew that word is hatah, and it means to miss the mark or to come short of the goal. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 3, verse 23.
1: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
0: Now, something that's interesting about the Torah is how the people who authored it, the Hebrew people, we know them today as the Jews, how they view it. Now, they identify the Torah in three different ways. Number one, they identify it as the first five books of the Bible. It's also known in the Greek as the Pentateuch. Um, they also identify it as a law as we just said number two they identify the Torah as the rabbinic commentary on the Old Testament and that would be composed of the Talmud and the Mishnah and the third way they identify the Torah is the Tanakh and that basically is composed of the entire Old Testament which is the uh, in in Hebrew it's Torah the Nevi'in and the Ketuvim the Torah of course When they divide the Tanakh up, the Torah would be the first five books, the Nevi'in would be um, the um, prophetic books, and the Ketuvim would be the the historical books or the other way around on that. So the Hebrew people, also known as the Jews, when they use the word Torah, they could actually be referring to any of these three distinctions, which is why understanding the context is so important. For instance, when Paul used it, we know that he wasn't referring specifically he wasn't referring at all to the New Testament because the New Testament did not exist during his day. For instance, we're going to repeat 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16.
1: All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: So when he says all scripture, he's not talking about the New Testament. Because it didn't exist at the time. He was referring to the Torah. Now, whether he was referring to the first five books of the Bible only, or whether he was referring to the entire Old Testament, known in Hebrew as the Tanakh, um, that's up for dispute. But he wasn't the point I'm making is that he wasn't referring to the New Testament when he said that. Now, for our purposes in this series, we're going to refer to the Torah as the books of the Bible, commonly known as the Old Testament. That's how we're going to refer to it.
1: What comes to mind when you hear the word Old Testament?
0: That's a great question. Well, the word Testament actually means covenant. So on the surface, it would appear that since it's referred to as old, it would no longer be applicable. This name was given because when the Bible that we know today was organized, the organizers decided to divide the Bible up into the periods prior to Christ's death and the period after Christ. Um, Christ's death. Uh, came basically so let me, let me back up they divided up it between the period prior to christ's birth and then the period subsequent to christ's birth with the period prior to christ's birth being considered old mainly because that period contained god's making covenants to the ancient nation of israel as well as the ancient patriarchs of the faith now what's interesting however is that over 20 percent of the new testament is actually quotes from the Old Testament. And sometimes those quotes are verbatim. So in my opinion, it would be better to call the Bible One Testament versus Old and New Testament.
1: Does the Torah or the Old Testament serve any purpose today?
0: Absolutely it does. And it serves four distinct purposes. The first of which being it serves as an example to us. Now, history has a way of repeating itself, especially if we ignore it. Winston Churchill famously said, Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11.
1: Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have
0: come. So the Torah, the Old Testament, serves as an example. As we read the stories, as we read the narratives, as we read the prophecies, these things happen historically as examples to us. The second purpose that it serves, I think, is it is a great witnessing tool. When the surrounding people see us living out the moral standards of the Torah, just as they were to see the ancient nation of Israel living out the moral standards, it would cause them to also want to have a relationship with the true and living God. It is is a great witness. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 through 8.
1: Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him, and what great nation is is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law, which I set before you this day.
0: We also see this concept repeated in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 by Jesus.
1: You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven.
0: Now, a third purpose that it serves, the Torah, <clears throat> or the Old Testament, is it reveals sin. The apostle Paul, when referring to this particular function of the Torah, he put it this way in Romans chapter 7 verse 7.
1: What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet.
0: At the end of the day, we can't do right unless we can identify that we're doing wrong, and we can turn from those ways. So it reveals sin. Great, great purpose for it. And the fourth one is, it is a guide to righteous living. The Apostle Paul when referring to this particular function of the Torah, it, in regard to it being a guide to righteous living. He put it this way, and we're going to repeat again. This is our third time repeating it, but it's a great, famous verse. I would, I would uh, encourage you to commit it to memory. Is Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen.
1: All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work.
0: And lastly, it points us to Jesus Christ. After all, he is the Savior of the world. He was sent by God for a specific purpose in creation and also redeeming us back to God. So it points us to him. It causes us to run to Christ for forgiveness because a good portion of its narrative is symbolic of who Jesus Christ is and how he saves us. For instance, the stories of the great flood, the stories of the patriarchs, the biblical holidays, the tabernacle that's listed in the Torah, the sacrifices, the priesthood, the prophecies, etc., so on and so forth. Jesus himself explains this in the following way, how the Torah points to him. Look at the narrative in Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 27, following his resurrection.
1: Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained So that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb really astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive and certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself.
0: So there you have it in verse 27. And beginning at Moses, the Torah, our first five books, if you're going to use that definition. And all the prophets, the Ketuvim, he expounded to them all the scriptures. The scriptures the things concerning himself. We also see Jesus repeating this in John chapter 5 verse 39 prior to his crucifixion when he was rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders.
1: You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me.
0: These are they, the scriptures. And again, he's not referring to the Old Testament when he's making that statement. I mean, to the New Testament, I'm sorry, when he's making that statement. He's referring to the Old Testament, which is the Torah. So, there you have it. To quickly recap, as we come to a close, we can summarize that the scriptures are, number one, the foundation for Christian faith and living. Number two, they're, they're God's special written revelation to us, to mankind. Number three, they are inspired by God. He used human instruments, but he inspired them to write it. Number four, the scriptures are inerrant. They are without error and they're infallible, meaning they are dependable. They're unbreakable. They cannot fail. And then number five would be the scriptures contain the Torah, right? The Old Testament and the Torah is instructions for loving God and loving our neighbor which is the Old Testament that serves the purposes of. What are the purposes of the Old Testament that we mentioned? Well, number one, uh, it's a historical example to us. Number two, it is a witnessing tool. When people see our lives, it's a witness that God is real. God is true. He's worthy to be praised and served. Number three, it reveals sin. How do we know what sin is? Unless the Torah or the Old Testament reveals and tells us what it is, it identifies it. Uh, number four, it guides us in righteous living. All Scripture are, are given for instruction, for reproof, for correction. We see that Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. And then number four, it points us to Christ. It points us to Christ. So there you have it. Uh, the, in the, this episode of. Um, Main Point Ministries, The Hebraic Origins of Christianity, as we discuss the scriptures. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for next week's lesson, which is going to be part three. We're going to dive even further into the Hebraic Origins of Christianity. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Stephen Giles.
1: And Tracy Giles.
0: Hope you have a blessed one.